Well, typically, as we've walked through this series together, we would start uh, praying together those dangerous prayers. But I'm going to save that for a little bit later this morning uh, uh, and, and go ahead and just get right into this. Uh, we are going to, this morning, going to close out this uh, teaching series we've been in for a little while now on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. But in doing that today, we will by no means exhaust the subject, and we will by no means back off in our prayers and our expectation for the Spirit of God to manifest Himself and His work among us. People need the Lord. They need an encounter with the living God. And as someone who has already encountered Him, as so many of you already have, they need you to testify about who He is, about how He works, to bear witness of Him and His work. And they need you as witnesses to provide evidence with your testimony, evidence of real change in your own life, and evidence from time to time, as the Holy Spirit wills, of the right now presence and power of God. As the Holy Spirit manifests those, those gifts we've been looking at, we began looking at last week. And I want to start this morning where we left off last week. So to kind of just to get us focused and moving, would you stand with me as you're able in honor of the Word of God? And once again, we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. I'll read the plain text. If you'll join me in reading the highlighted portions, and that way we'll walk through the passage together. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse 7, and this is what the Bible says. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. Praise the Lord. This is the Word of the Lord. And you may be seated. Now, somebody asked me, one of the Bible studies I'm involved in, we're walking through this Acts study, I'm doing a number of them. Somebody asked me one of them this week, uh, if a person could have all of these gifts, all, all of these nine gifts, these manifestation gifts listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, since Jesus has all the gifts and since Jesus lives inside of us, can someone have all of these gifts? And my response to that was very simply, no one has any of these gifts in that way because these gifts don't work that, like that. That's not how these manifestations of the Spirit work. These are manifestations of the Spirit. Remember, the Greek word here is phonerosis. They're ways the Holy Spirit, from time to time, makes Himself known. But as manifestations, they're here, and then they're not. These manifestations are momentary demonstrations of the Holy Spirit's presence. He gives you a word of knowledge, and then it's over. He, he gives you a discerning of spirits, and then it's over. He manifests a working of miracles. He gives you a message to speak out in tongues, and then it's over. He manifests these things, and then they're done. That's the meaning of the sentence. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, 
and he gives them to each one just as he determined. That the meaning is not that he gives you one of these gifts and they're your possession from that point on, but rather that he gives them or he manifests them when and as he wills. These manifestations of the Spirit are momentary demonstrations of His presence and power and wisdom and knowledge and working. They are not superpowers you carry around with you all the time. And the failure to grasp that crucial point has led to tremendous confusion and disappointment over the years. Now, as I mentioned last week, just in passing, there are uh, different kinds or, or different categories of spiritual gifts found in the Bible. First, here in 1 Corinthians 12, what we're focusing on right now are these nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Again, the Greek word there is phonerosis. These are not residential gifts. In other words, they do not reside within you in an ongoing way. That's not what they are. They simply manifest when and as the Holy Spirit sees fit. Any Christian can operate in these gifts, but only when the Spirit of God chooses to manifest them. Second, they're what are frequently referred to as motivational gifts. I prefer to call them ministry graces because the word used here in Greek is the Greek word charismata, which is the root of which is the word grace. Uh, you'll find a list of these, a good list of them at least, in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. The Bible says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. But notice how these gifts are introduced. The gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 are introduced as manifestations of the Holy Spirit. These are introduced this way. We have different gifts according to the grace. We have different charismata according to the grace given us. Here the Bible says you have these gifts. The Greek verb translated here as have is the verb echo, and it literally means to have, to hold, or to possess. In other words, these gifts are residential. When the Lord gives them, you have them from then on continuously within you, and you have access to them whenever you will. These are not, the word here is not phonerosis. These are charismata. They're graces given by the Holy Spirit as part of your unique spiritual equipment to serve God and bless others. And it's my experience that most Christians confuse these in the 1 Corinthians 12 gifts and get into trouble that way. Every Christian should be able to explain the basic principles of the Word of God. But some Christians have a unique grace, a charisma to teach that's present there with them that they can access at all times. Every Christian should serve. Every Christian should have a servant's heart. But some Christians have a unique grace for that, a charisma for serving that's always there with them and that, frankly, they, they tend to kind of live their life out of. Finally, there are what are sometimes referred to as the ascension gifts or the, or the equipping gifts. These are unique gifts given by the Lord to certain individuals who are called to serve the church of God in training and building them up. You'll find these listed in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. 
like the charismata found in Romans 12, these are also residential. They're always present and available within the person who has them. Perhaps you can understand uh, these differential, uh, di- differentiations by the words any, every, and some. Any believer may be used in a manifestation gift of the Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit comes and manifests in that way. Any believer can be used from time to time with a word of prophecy or a word of knowledge or discerning of spirits. Any believer can as the Holy Spirit wills. Every Christian has one or more charismata, grace gifts that the the Spirit of God has put within them that are part of their unique equipment, their unique design to serve God and serve people in the world. And some Christians are called to stand in a ministry office and to train and equip the people of God as apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But that may help you distinguish between these. As I mentioned earlier, a failure to grasp these distinctions has contributed to a tremendous amount of confusion and heartache. Part of it comes over with the issue of tongues because uh, uh, speaking in tongues is found in 1 Corinthians 12. People say, well, well, that's only as the Spirit wills, so I shouldn't, uh, I don't necessarily should have the ability to speak in tongues unless the Spirit wills that. No, that's not what, this is not talking about the capacity to commune with God in tongues, the capacity to pray in the Spirit. That's talking about a message in tongues to speak out in a public setting. And so being confused about that, treating it as if it were residential in a 1 Corinthians 12 sense has led people to think, well, I don't, I don't shouldn't necessarily expect to be able to commune with God in tongues. It, tremendous confusion. One of the areas where it is most confusing is in the area of physical healing, where many spirit-filled Christians seem to feel like they should be able to lay hands pretty much uh, anytime on pretty much anybody and see them healed every time. You know, one day soon I, I need to teach on the subject of healing because the thinking on that is all over the map, and so much of it is wildly unbiblical. But for our purpose this morning, I do want to quickly draw your attention to a distinction between healing as a manifestation gift of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12 sense, and healing in response to the prayers of the saints. Now, you'll find both of them in Scripture. Both of them are biblical, but they are not the same thing. And my experience is when most Christians pray for healing, they're expecting a manifestation gift. They're not the same thing, and they do not function in the same way. Most of the healings highlighted in the Gospels and in the book of Acts do not appear to be connected to any specific prayer at all. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus just tells a guy. He doesn't appear to pray. He just tells a guy with a withered hand, stretch forth your hand, and he does. In Acts chapter 3, there's no prayer. Peter's on his way to pray at the temple, and he just tells a guy, a lame beggar, beggar outside the temple, he tells him, stand on your feet, and he does. There's no indication of any prayer asking God to do anything. These, are, uh, these healings and countless others like them in the Gospels and in the book of Acts are miraculous 1 Corinthians 12-style manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Spontaneous gifts of faith or healing or the working of miracles or some combination of those, and these happen as the Spirit wills at His initiation. They're not under your control. You cannot make them happen. Typically, you don't even ask for them in the moment. They're initiated by the Spirit of God. And there's a difference between these manifestations that are initiated by the Spirit of God and when you initiate 
by praying and asking God, will you please heal my aunt? Will you please heal uh, my, me? Will you please heal whatever? You're, when, you, when you initiate and ask God to supersede the current natural order, in a manifestation gift of healing, a 1 Corinthians 12-style gift, God the Holy Spirit decides to do that on his own. And then he kind of lets you in on it and invites you to participate with him. In that case, the Holy Spirit comes with an intent to heal, and you recognize that and act on it. There's often no prayer. There, there, there's often no asking. God initiates, not you. You just act on what you see or hear or sense the Holy Spirit doing. You can always pray and ask for healing, but that's not healing in the 1 Corinthians 12 sense. So let's get practical about these manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing I want to note is, once again, as far as the biblical record is concerned, it appears these gifts manifest most often in the context of sharing the Word of God and especially sharing it with the lost. In other words, these 1 Corinthians 12 manifestations tend most often to function like signs and wonders. Wonders make you wonder. They get your attention, and signs point you where you need to go. They function most often in the New Testament, and these 1 Corinthians 12 gifts function most often in the New Testament in that way, getting people's attention, pointing them to the Lord. I shared with you this story before, but I'll tell you again. The first person I had the privilege of praying with to surrender their life to Jesus when I was pastoring in Virginia a number of years ago was a young woman who a number of years earlier had been basically, I'd say, the, the campus atheist at Virginia Tech University. Uh, her dad was an incredibly wealthy, incredibly powerful, incredibly prominent attorney in Virginia. And he was a very prominent intellectual atheist, uh, very outspoken. And his daughter kind of followed in his footsteps. Eventually, she graduated from college, however. She got married and found she couldn't have children. She went on a, a wild uh, journey to try and resolve that. She trusted in science. Her family trusted in science. They trusted in medicine. They trusted in intellect. And she spent obscene amounts of money. Every specialist, every doctor, every clinic, everywhere she the best, the most expensive, the most fantastic they could get to, and none of them could help her. In fact, they eventually told her, there's nothing that can be done. I'm so sorry. She was distraught. One day, she was talking to a group of ladies about how her pain. And one of the ladies in that group was a lady by the name of Jenny Smith. She went to my church at the time in, in Virginia. And uh, uh, Jenny was stirred and said to her, you know, God can do what experts can't. And then she laid hands on her and asked God for a baby. And nine months later, Whitney was born. And I have to tell you, when that happened, that young lady did not give her life to Jesus. It was a couple of years later. Jenny eventually got her to come to church. And I was talking to her after church, and she was sharing her story. She prayed to receive the Lord. But part of what she told me was, for years, she had tried, tried to reason it away, argue it away, somehow get past what had happened. But she could never, ever, ever get past the reality that none of the people she trusted in, none of the intellectual, professional, scientific community could do anything for her. But the moment Jenny laid hands on her, she became pregnant. 
and had a child. Now, I personally believe in that moment, the Holy Spirit gave Jenny a manifestation gift of faith, and she did something she had never done before. And I believe when she laid hands on that young woman, at that moment, the Holy Spirit gave a manifestation gift of healing or working of miracles or something. But the result was the conception and the birth of Whitney, a beautiful, rambunctious little girl. By and large, these manifestations of the Spirit... You know, back up. Jenny hadn't been praying, Lord, give her child, Lord, give her child, Lord, give her child. It was in the spur of the moment. She's never done anything like that before in her life. It just came to her. It was a manifestation. The Holy Spirit said, I'm here, let me prove it. And, and, and the result was, eventually, the salvation of this young woman. By and large, these manifestations of the Spirit represent the Holy Spirit's intention to initiate a work in you or through you or at the very least with your participation. And if that notion bothers you, if you're sitting there and you're tempted to think, I don't buy that. The Holy Spirit is God. He can do whatever He wants. The Holy Spirit is God. He doesn't need me or my participation to heal or convict or point people to Jesus. You are absolutely right in your thinking. Your premise is correct, and your conclusion is wrong. Yes, the Holy Spirit is God. I cover that in part one of this series in some detail. So yes, He can do whatever He wants. And no, He doesn't need you to do anything all at all, because as God, He's completely self-sufficient. He, can, he lacks and needs nothing. But none of that changes the simple fact that as God, who can do whatever He wants... He wants to work with you, and He wants to work through you. He wants to work with and through His people. For example, when the Holy Spirit gave Jesus that word of knowledge about Nathaniel sitting under the fig tree, or when He gave Jesus that word of knowledge about the Samaritan woman's marital history, He chose to work through Jesus in those moments. Certainly, as the Spirit of God, he could have bypassed Jesus altogether and simply convicted Nathaniel of the truth and convicted the woman of the truth, but he chose rather to work through an intermediary. <clears throat> when the Holy Spirit moved Peter to reach out his hand and call that lame man to stand up and walk, or when he prompted the Apostle Paul to speak to the, guy, the lame guy listening to him in one of his meetings to stand up on his feet, <coughs> when the Holy Spirit did that, he could have done it as the Spirit of God. He could have done it independently. He could have just healed those people, but he chose to work through the intermediaries of those disciples. And that raises, I think, a very profound question. <clears throat> what would have happened if Peter had not addressed that beggar? What would have happened if Paul had not addressed that lame man? Would the Spirit have healed him anyway? If Jesus had not told that man with a withered hand to stretch forth his hand, would the Holy Spirit have healed it anyway? If Paul had not laid hands on Publius' father, would the Spirit have healed him anyway? If Paul had not shared what I believe was a word of wisdom with the sailors in Acts 27, 31, would the men on the ship still have survived? The plain implication of the Scripture is no. No in every single case. And it appears the Holy Spirit wanted to do all those things. 
and yet he insisted on doing them with and through his people. And that brings me to the last few thoughts I'll share with you this morning about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing is this. These manifestations of the Spirit, these 1 Corinthians 12 manifestation gifts of the Spirit have nothing to do whatsoever with the authority of the believer. That teaching has done a great deal of harm. When Jesus commissioned and sent out his disciples in Matthew 28, he began by saying, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. I have the authority, you go. You go in my name. You go under my authorization. You go under my commissioning because I have the authority. And so when you minister in the name of Jesus at the direction and by the leading of the Lord Jesus, as he does that through the Holy Spirit, then you minister in his authority. But that most certainly does not mean you can go anywhere you want and do anything you want. It does not mean that you can at will command the sick to be healed or the dead to be raised. The manifestations of the Holy Spirit are initiated by the Holy Spirit. Once again, they're they're not superpowers that you carry around continuously present within you. The Holy Spirit is continuously present within you, but he is not continuously manifesting himself in these ways. They're his manifestations subject to his moving and his will. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So when the Holy Spirit wants to manifest these gifts in or through you, how do you know? How do you know it's him? How do you recognize his leading and his moving? And the bottom line is moving in the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit is simply one other way to be led by the Holy Spirit. And in that regard, I refer you back to Holy Spirit come part six, Spirit-led. The bottom line, however, is simply this. You need to grow in your attentiveness to the Spirit of God. We all need to grow in our relationship, our communion with the Spirit of God, to grow in our ability to recognize His presence, to recognize His voice, to recognize His moving. And that takes intentional effort on your part. You need to become familiar with him so you can recognize when he's wanting to do something. And and I have to tell you, in all honesty, that often feels a bit like intuition. It is a sensitivity to, a sensing of the moods and the movements of the Spirit of God in and around you. Luke 5 tells of a time Jesus was teaching a group of people. And verse 17 says, and I find this fascinating, And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Isn't that fascinating? Now, the Spirit of the Lord was always present with Jesus. And the power of the Spirit of God was always present with the Spirit of God. But on this particular occasion, on this occasion at this moment, he was present to heal the sick. Something Jesus recognized and then acted on. He perceived it and acted on it. In Acts chapter 14, again, Paul was teaching. The Bible says he saw that this lame man sitting across from him had faith to be healed. He sensed it by the Holy Spirit. You can't see faith. He he, he saw it in his spirit. He he recognized it. He sensed it. He perceived it. The Holy Spirit wanted to act, and Paul discerned it. He intuited it in his spirit. 
So how did Paul know for absolutely certain that, the Holy, that that was the Holy Spirit and not just his own imagination? Well, I think he knew for certain when he told the guy to stand up, and he did. And com- was completely healed. In Jeremiah 32, verse 6, the prophet Jeremiah wrote that the word of the Lord had come to him, saying his cousin was going to come and ask him to, build, to buy a, a, a field. Now, my first question is, how did the word of the Lord come to him? Did a Bible fall out of heaven and hit him in the head? Did he hear an audible voice? Or did he, as I've been suggesting over and over again in this series, did he have a strong sense, a sudden knowing down inside his heart? And then notice that when it actually happened two verses later, When his cousin actually showed up and asked him to buy the field, Jeremiah wrote in verse 8, then I knew this was the word of the Lord. Apparently, up until that moment when it happened, he was only pretty sure it was the word of the Lord. Now, I've been working on this stuff for a long time. And there are times, I have pretty good confidence, that that I, I have perceived or, or heard or, or, or sensed correctly something that the Holy Spirit is saying or doing. But that doesn't mean I'm always 100% certain. And I have to be honest with you, in my personal experience, the people who are always 100% certain end up making a lot of excuses. This recognition that the Holy Spirit is ready to manifest Himself, that he, He's present to do something, it often comes as a sensing, as a, as a perceiving, much like an intuiting that you have down in your spirit. So how does it work in my own life? I told you I'd give you some of my own experience. Sometimes I hear, not with my ears, not audible things, but in my heart, I'll hear. I hear, I hear a word. I'll hear a phrase. Stop. Uh, you need to repent. Um, don't do that. Oftentimes, it'll be a verse of Scripture, and I promise sometimes it's verses of Scripture, I assure you, I have never memorized. Soft answer turns away wrath. You need to be slow to anger, slow to speak, quick to listen. Sometimes a verse of Scripture will come. Sometimes I will suddenly just know something in its entirety. Fully formed concepts that I did not have before are suddenly just there. And I'll know. I'll, I'll just know. I'll know something that's going to happen. I'll know something that did happen. I'll know something I need to do. I'll know something someone else needs to do. When, when I acknowledged God's call to the ministry, uh, it was at an evangelism conference in, in Asheville and arguing with the Lord about it. And, and finally, I just heard the Lord say, as plainly in my heart as, as you hear me in your ears, you need to answer this altar call. You need to commit yourself to going to the ministry. When you get back home, you're going to preach. You're going to preach a message called The Battle You Can't Win, and it will be on arguing with God. And that's what happened. It's, it's sometimes I just know stuff that I didn't know before. Sometimes that happens when I look at someone or when I hear their voice, when I see their face or when I hear their voice, and suddenly I'll just know. You know, I'll know something's going on. I'll know something. I'll know something they need. I know something they've done. I'll, I'll just sometimes it's not a superpower. Sometimes it just happens. And again, it's very much in those particular in those situations in particular. It feels very much like intuition. And I suspect it's happened to you, and you've probably just called it intuition. 
the difference is intuition is a form of natural discernment. And what we're talking about here is a work of the Spirit of God where he comes and gets your attention and shows you something uh, uh, on his own. Chuck Davis shared a story in our staff meeting uh, a week ago. Uh, he was at a mattress store, and, and the sales guy came up to him, and Chuck looked at him and said, There's, you know, this guy's down. This guy's bummed out. And you say, Pastor Billy, that's not Holy Spirit. That's just paying attention. And it could be. I'll tell you, it could be. But uh, Chuck was really struck by the fact that this guy looked down and started talking to him uh, for a while. And the end of that story is the guy knelt down beside Chuck on the floor at a mattress in the showroom and gave his life to Jesus. Now, maybe that was just natural intuition. It sounds to me like it was the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'd love to keep going, uh, but it, we've got other stuff to do. And uh, if you want to talk through these things, you want to argue about these things, you want to ask questions about these things, please, please, please come to our, um, our Let's Talk event tonight at 630. Uh, uh, it'll be, we'll be able to carry on this discussion more like a discussion. Uh, with back and forth. We'll talk about the Acts study, any questions, any comments. We'll talk about the Holy Spirit study, any questions, any comments, and we'll just enjoy learning together, growing together, walking through those things together. Tonight at 630, uh, there'll be coffees and pastries and, uh, as well. But for now, let's, let's pray. Father God, um, again, you are better to us than we deserve. You have saved us and sent us into the world as ambassadors, as witnesses for you. You've set your Holy Spirit inside of us, first to change us, and then to lead us, to guide us, to help us, to equip us, to empower us for life in this world. You've commissioned us and sent us forth as agents of your kingdom. Those who are witnesses of Jesus, to bear witness to you, to testify about you, to give evidence of you. And you do that willingly and freely. You do not need us to save anyone. You do not need us to heal anyone. You do not need us to do anything. And yet, in your economy, you have chosen to do that. Help us grow up in you in our communion, our fellowship, our understanding, our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Help us grow in our understanding of these precious gifts, these tools, this equipment that you've given to us, that we might make a better difference in the world, that you might be more fully glorified, and that people around us might be better helped. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.